Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. Metro exists to exalt God and equip people. Here at Metro, we long to become a community that celebrates the presence of God, communicates the Word of God, demonstrates the love of God, and educates the people of God. Everything we do revolves around this core mission and vision. We are so glad you are here today to listen to this week's podcast. It is our prayer that this message encourages you and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message. And this morning, church, I want to take you on a journey. In the month of June, we begin the series with the life of Joseph and the God of his destiny. The life of Joseph and the God of his destiny. When we look at the life of Joseph, starting in Genesis 37 onwards, that's exactly what we see. Exactly what we see. Everything, everything going the opposite way, what you may have thought. A chaotic life after the age of 13, 17. But one thing is true, that God had planned his destiny. God had planned his destiny. At the age of 17, probably he got the vision of the dreams that we find in chapter 37. Two dreams. But since then, the dreams, his life is completely out of control. Nothing that he anticipated, nothing. The life is not going as he planned it out for the next 13 years. It is here that you and I begin to realize several important truths. And two truths that I want to share with you is about Joseph's life, is about his God. The first truth is this. The God of Joseph's life is a God of his present and his future. The God of Joseph's life is a God of his present and his future. Genesis 39 verses 2 to 3, 5, 21 and 23. Genesis 50 verse 24 and 25. For the brevity of time, I won't read all these passages, but you can always open your Bibles and read those. The second truth is this. God holds Joseph's life for his purposes. God holds Joseph's life for his purposes. Genesis 45 verses 5 to 8 and Genesis 50 verses 19 to 20. The big idea for today's message has, is actually twofold. Number one, God holds the timeline of our lives. The timeline of our hand is in the hands of God. Psalm 31 verse 15 reminds us, the psalmist says, my times are in your hands. My times are in your hand. So also in Proverbs 19.21, we are reminded, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purposes of the Lord that will ultimately prevail. The purposes of the Lord will ultimately prevail. Genesis chapter 37 onwards, you begin to see the story of a young man whom the Bible introduces us at his very teenage life when he's 17 years old. And the next 13 chapters, almost one-fourth of the entire Genesis is preoccupied with Joseph. You may wonder why. Why so much of prominence to Joseph? The other personality in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Genesis, the other person who got that much coverage was Abraham, the father of of the nation. But after that, it is Joseph who gets so much of coverage. Why he is so prominent in the Bible. I will take that, I will look into that, and then I will, we will go into the two, two points that I want to share this morning. 
God was scripting redemptive history of his people. From the very first moment that God began to speak to Abraham in, in Genesis 15, he had already spoken his word. He had spoken his word to his Abraham and said that your generations will be slaves in a foreign land. Your generation will be slaves in a foreign land for 400 years and they will be oppressed. They will be oppressed. What you begin to see from Genesis 37 is nothing else but the outworking of God to bring to pass that what he spoke to the forefathers several centuries ago. God is planning and shaping his people in the redemptive history. In other words, Exodus will become the subsequent history's pivotal point of reference. In other words, Exodus is going to mark the most important aspect of the entire life's span of the landscape of the people of Israel. They are going to always remember, we, God, delivered from Egypt. We, God, delivered from the slavery of Egyptians. God rescued us. God redeemed us. For that to happen, things have to move in that direction, isn't it? And God is moving those pieces and the puzzles together. And the puzzle is slowly becoming more re real to us. The redemption from Egypt will form the basis of the redeeming act of God in every subsequent generation. Till Babylonian captivity happened, what, what guided the people of Israel was always the Egyptian slavery and God's mighty hand that rescued them from Egypt. Devam nitya karathalum, trikkarathalum, thanda veeramula bhujathalum, thanda janathe vidivichu, and God is just shaping history, you know, moving pieces. And Joseph's story comes to the point as he's preparing people to go towards that Egypt, which is not their promised land, but it is only a stop before they move into the Egyptian, uh, to the promised land. In other words, what God was doing was foreshadowing something so beautiful. He was preparing a people, a community of people who will be worshipping him harmoniously together and only God can do that. Nobody else can do that. An old couple having a promised child at the age of 190, nobody can do that. Only God can do that. Preparing them from, this, from the generations and bringing them here where they are now 12 sons. And 76 of them will be going into Egypt and there they are going to flourish into a nation a nation that will call upon the name of God. When Moses goes to Pharaoh, this is what he says, let my people go so that they can worship me. It is no longer let Abraham go, let Isaac go, let Jacob go, let Joseph go. No, let my people go because God was bringing his people into fruitfulness, into fruition by taking them into Egypt, preparing a generation that will know and serve God. How do we know that? How do we know that? A key passage is Genesis 35 verse 11. If you open your Bibles to Genesis 35 verse 11, this is what God spoke to Jacob. Then God said to him, I am the sovereign God. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation, even a company of nations will descend from you. Company of nations, the word used there, for congregation or company is the same word that we find the word church, ecclesia. 
in the Septuagint version, in the Greek version of the Old Testament, the word that is used there is ecclesia. The Hebrew word is kohal which means an assembled gathering, a people who have been gathered together. What is God saying? God is saying, Jacob, through you, no longer it is one individual person for a family, but I am now calling a community of people, 12 sons and 12 tribes, and the entire community will come together from your loins. God is preparing a people. And you know what exactly that is, that is what God is doing in history. He's calling forth a generation of people, a community of people who will serve him, who will call upon his name from every tongue, every tribe, every people group. Lord, one of the desire for us to be in Frisco is a desire that God wants to prepare a generation for him, a people group for him, a people that will know God and serve God just to bring the promise of God to fulfillment. You know, when we sing the song, I'm standing on the promises of God, or I'm standing on the promise of God, this is one of the promises that God gave to the patriarchs, that through you, I shall bless the nations. Hallelujah. And God is just about to start the outworking of that through Jacob and his sons and through Joseph. So God picks up now Joseph. And through Joseph, he's going to send him to Egypt. And by sending him to Egypt, he's going to bring his entire people to Egypt. God is going to multiply them there, flourish them there. We already went through the book of Exodus, chapter 1 to 15. I don't need not repeat history, but from there, God is going to deliver a people unto himself who will move forward into the wilderness to Mount Sinai, who will, hallelujah, I mean, build the tabernacle. The presence of God is going to come. They're going to go into promised land, and God is going to establish a temple, which all will be a foreshadowing of the Son of God, who is going to come forward, hallelujah, many centuries later, and who will say, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Church, look at the big picture, what God is doing. So the story of Joseph and the story of his brothers is not just a mere story of one family, but it is a story of God's redemptive history, the outworking of God's redemptive history, how he's shaping a people, how shaping a nation, how shaping nationalities, not just one nation, nations, because that has always been the heart of God. You should read Genesis chapter 10 and 11, because that's where we see the heart of God. God's heart is always for the nations. Amen. Not just for one family alone, but for nations. And through his son, nations will come. So therefore the call came, the command, the great commission came through Jesus when he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation, to every ethnic group. Preach the gospel because when he comes, when he returns back, people from all nations will be joining in worshiping God. Amen. Now, let's come to the story of Joseph. What do we find so beautiful in this story? You know, when you start the reading from chapter 37 onwards, you find a very dysfunctional family, isn't it? You're a dysfunctional family. This happens even today also. We have one or two children. There's always a partiality and favoritism to one child. Janice always says, Dad, you always show favoritism to Johan. I get all the spanking. You, you just leave him alone because he's your firstborn or something. And I heard that many times. So with two children, then if you have more than two, you can only think about the favoritism that happens. Now here you have 12 children. So, and of course, 
Jacob had his own favoritism, his, his life. You know, he was the firstborn of Rachel, so he had shown more favoritism. What happens? You, you read in the unfolding of the story of a very dysfunctional family. It is something that the Lord is just reminding all, all of us through the lives of these patriarchs that they were not very super, super saints and super spiritual people. They are just human beings like us. With all kinds of flaws and frailties in them, weaknesses in them. But it was a sovereign grace of God that kept them safe. And God took them to the purposes for which God was calling them. They are just like us. He's bringing bad reports to his, of his brothers to his father. That's the one, number one thing he do, does. Joseph was not a medical. Because he's a poster boy for every Pentecostal family, isn't it? We all pray. Even now, I still remember the last prayer that my father prayed. 15 years ago, as I was driving to the church, he prayed the last prayer over me. And he, and he did refer. He did use Joseph as an, as an illustration. Lord, as you were with Joseph, you be with him. Most of us pray that prayer, isn't it? Even now I go to India, my mom, whenever I hear her prayer, she would be quoting Joseph and praying. So he's always that poster child for all of us to know that he's, he's a guy who succeeded well, but he, he has his own flaws. He is the one who goes and talks, backbites his brothers. He will always bring back report. Gave him a robe of beautiful colors. Shandaman in the Ravala Vanda Pajamparanya, Handikinala, beautiful, many colors and the Vasra get it taken on the Varanja. Bavachai Majurti and Avaraja. Father gave him a robe of many colors. So what happened? Verse 37 was 4. As you read Genesis 37 verse 4, his brothers would not speak peacefully with Joseph anymore. So, Hodramara, Yaakov, Joseph Noda, Samadhara Burum. You know, when they meet, they should be saying shalom to each other. How are you doing? Are you doing well? But now the brothers don't want to even speak shalom to each other. Broken family, isn't it? Relationships are broken. And then came what? Then came the dreams. Didn't make it easy either. When he shared his dreams with his brothers, they got infuriated. They were so enraged. They became hatred. Adin disliked Orangi. Then there was jealousy. Now it's hatred, full-blown hatredness. You know, when they saw him coming from afar, they said, here comes a dreamer. Let's kill him and see what will happen to his dreams. They put him in the pit. You know, with, they did not even have the remorse. They put him in the pit and they all sat down to eat a meal together. See how hard-hearted they became. Their hatredness was so full-blown. Who was he? Son of their father. But this is, this is what it came to. But what sustained jo Joseph? What sustained Joseph in all this? Hmm? Dreams were given by God to him. These dreams were given by God to Joseph to build him in him a solid hope in God's promise. The next 13 years of his life was chaotic life. And yes, sometimes when the favor of God comes, with it comes what? Great price also to pay. The favor of God comes, with it comes what? Great price to pray. Never doubt about it. 
But the next 13 years of Joseph's life was a years of waiting in the sidelines. Who wants to wait on the sidelines? If I'm a good athlete, if I'm on the football team, I don't want to wait on the sideline. I always want to play, isn't it? And I'm, when I'm on the sideline also, my, 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 I'm, I'm focusing the game, and I wish, I'm telling the coach, coach, put me in, put me in, I want to go and play right now. The coach will not do it, because he knows when is the best time for you to enter into the main field. Joseph, even though I gave you the dreams, you have to keep on waiting. You need to keep on waiting. Because I know the perfect drive. I know the perfect scoring drive. When you're going to score a touchdown, until that moment happens, you just wait in the sideline. Be patient in the sideline. Sometimes Joseph may be thinking like this, Lord, you have put my life on a hold right now, isn't it? You have put my life on a hold right now. Many of us feel the same thing, isn't it? My talents are not appreciated. My giftedness is not appreciated. I feel that God has completely forgotten me. Nobody else cares for me. Yes, it is true that we may feel frustrated. Joseph may have felt his own frustration. But he had something to fall back on. Fall back on the dreams that God gave him. You know, in chapter 39, fast forward, 38, we are just skipping, okay? 39, we come to 39. We find at least five times the refrain, the, the reference that I gave you. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. On the other hand, you see, Jacob is crying out, my son has gone down to Sheol, and I will go down with him to Sheol. As Jacob is crying out, I will go down with him to Sheol, you find the narrative moves that Joseph is now going down to Egypt. And he is being sold to the captain of Pharaoh's guard. He is being sold there. He thinks, what is happening with my life? From, from the pit to being sold to the Ishmaelites, to the Midianites. And now I find myself as a slave in a foreign land, in an alien land. But one thing that you see again and again is this. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Church, this morning, one of the important truths that the Lord wants you and me to remember is this. The God of my destiny is a God of my present and my future too. The God of my destiny is a God of my present and my future too. In other words, the story of Joseph reminds us that God can be with us in our worst pit. He can be with us in our worst Egypt experience. He can be with us in the most false accusation that may come against us. He can be with us in the most gruesome of the prison that you and I can find ourselves. He is with us. He's a God of my present. He's a God of my present. God's plans for our lives do not derail just because things are not going the way that you and I anticipated to go. Hallelujah. We may find ourselves in life's most difficult moments. But this is what God wants us to remind that He is still with us. And I read this quote um, in, in, I think, Johann and Janice's elementary school. Every time we go there, there's this big quote on one of the walls there. It simply said like this, Life isn't about waiting for the storms to pass. It is about learning how to dance in the rain. 
കൊടുങ്കാറ്റുകൾ മാറിപ്പോകുവാനല്ല ജീവിതം നമ്മെ പഠിപ്പിക്കുന്നത് എന്നാൽ മഴയുടെ സമയത്തും അതിലും കൂടെ ഡാൻസ് ചെയ്യുവാൻ നമുക്ക് കഴിഞ്ഞുവെങ്കിൽ often times we wish that the storms of life can pass but sometimes you know what god says no i want you to walk right through the middle of the storm because in the middle of the storm i am there with you we would want to go around it isn't it we want to go around the things that are coming against us we, if only we can find a way around it but god says no sometimes i want you to go right through the middle of it because when you walk through the middle of it i want to tell you that i am with you yan ningalodu kodi undu what did joseph learn in his captivity you know what he was only a dreamer he was only a dreamer before that but in captivity he became a dream interpreter in other words while you are waiting while you are waiting for god's timing to happen pray that god will expand your gift god will expand your gift to such an extent that not only now you are able to see the dreams but you now become an interpreter of the dream he started to interpret the dream of the cup bearer and the baker and the dreams came true here gets a call from pharaoh pharaoh says you have the spirit of the living god residing in you you only can interpret the dreams veru veru swapnakaranayirunnu ennal ippo swapnakaran mathramalla swapnate vyakhyanikkunavanum kudai maarvanade athirunnu prepared in the bagal kalam i am parayate sometimes you may find yourself in captivity don't worry you may think that life is on hold don't worry you may think that some nothing is working as you plan don't worry even in your captivity god can expand your skill sets amen hallelujah he can expand your skill sets you know what when joseph was in potiphar's house not only joseph god was with joseph who else saw that god is with joseph tell me who else saw god was with joseph hmm? the potiphar was able to see that isn't it god is with joseph when he went to prison who saw that god is with him the prison warden was able to see that god is with him when he went before pharaoh who said to him that you have the spirit of god with you who was able to say that Church, can I tell you something? When you and I are in the worst of our situations, even then, the presence of God can be manifest not just for us, but for an unbelieving world that they can see and testify the presence of God is with them. And you and I can become a blessing for the unbelieving world. When situations happen, contrary to what you and I anticipated, even in your workplace, let people see and say, wow, I testify that you have the presence of God with you. you know i don't want to share the story i don't know ashley is here ashley i mean only share in this in this first service she was share another was sharing with me as they were coming back from kenya and one day their flight got delayed they had to rebook and it was a frustrating moment you know when you're planning everything you go to the airport and you come to know that your flight has been canceled has been overbooked and you cannot fly today you have to stay back in the hotel i mean I, this true story last friday when we went back they told us to go to the customer care and i looked at the customer care it was a serpentine crowd there you know the the, the line is just going on and on i could not find the end of the line and i said lord if i'm going to stand here it's going to take hours i immediately walked out thank god the right time i got a call from the american airlines because i had placed a call early in the morning to change my flight time and they called me after 8 hours so i was able to immediately cancel my flight but for them it didn't happen that way so they had to go through the whole nine yards stay there in the line finally find a 
ticket, you know, they, they put them in a hotel room, and they're going in a hotel room. They're, all of them are packed in a bus, and they were saying, sharing one man from this country, I won't say the ethnicity, he was constantly cursing, cursing, cursing. Constantly cursing. He was so upset with everything that happened. Constantly cursing. And it, it so happened that these ladies who were there, they got like, they, they, could not, they could not take it anymore because it was becoming so obnoxious, the whole atmosphere. And Ashley said to her, you know, and another told me, shared this with me. She said, Andy, I'm not bothered because he doesn't know God. What can you expect from him? That's all you can expect from him. But if you know God, it will be a totally different experience, isn't it? And then I, I just started asking myself, how many times we go through the same thing? Things don't go the way. We are the people who will be complaining the most. And people will come to know, we, is God with us? Is God with us? In those moments also. And this is what Joseph is teaching us. I am not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be at my father's house. I'm supposed to be with my brothers. I'm not supposed to be a slave. But even where I am right now, I know it is not the right place I am, but can I exhibit the presence of God right now here? Jailer was able to see, Potiphar was able to see, even Pharaoh was able to see that the presence of God is with Joseph. So church, don't ever blame, don't ever blame the, the situation and the circumstance where we find ourselves. Because even there, an unbelieving world is watching us. And you and I want to be demonstrating the presence of a living God in those moments also. But Joseph is not a, only a person who thinks about his present. He also knows about his future. God is a God of my future too. You read the scripture passages in, in, in Genesis 50, 50 verse 24 to 25. Joseph says to his brothers, brothers, I know for sure that I'm going to die. I'm going to die. But can I tell you something? God is going to visit you. God is going to visit you. Egypt is not your final destination. Egypt is not your final home. You and me are going to a promised land. So when you leave, please take my bones along with you. A man who caught a promise from God knows that even his bones are not supposed to be rotting in Egypt. It needs to go to his final destination, the promised land of God. Can I tell you, church, this is what you and I are called to do. Amen. This world is not my home. You and I are called to a greater kingdom, the kingdom of God. You and I are called to spread the love of Jesus, to bring his kingdom right here. And you and I must be able to say to the world, my God is not only the God of my present, but he's a God of my future too. Praise God. Hallelujah. A second important aspect that Joseph teaches us, and I know my time is up, the worship team can come, is that God holds his entire life for his purposes. Joseph understands one thing very clearly. He says something like this. You meant it for evil, but God turned it to for good. Because I know, I know for sure, everything that has happened in my life, God is in full control. He holds it all together. He holds it all together. Think about it, church. Come with me back to chapter 37. Think about it. For God to hold it all together, several things has to happen, isn't it? At the right time, at the right place, everything must come to pass. Jacob must send his son, whom he loves the most, with a tunic to go and 
check on his brothers, isn't it? They are gone to Shechem, about 40 to, 30 to 40 miles away from Hebron Valley. Knowing Jacob knows the hatredness of his brothers, he had to send his son. He sends his son. Je Joseph comes to Shechem. He doesn't find his brothers there. Your Bible says, a man, an unidentified man, said to him, they have gone to Dothan, another 20 miles. He's willing to go to another 20 miles to Dothan. He goes there. The moment they see him, they say, here comes a dreamer. Let's kill him and see what happens. Reuben stands up and says, hey, he's our brother. Let's not kill him. Let's put him in the pit. They put him in the pit. Reuben had a desire to get back the favor of his father. He wanted to rescue him at some point. So they all sat down to eat. In the meantime, the Ishmaelites, the Midianites came. They come once in a while. They come. It's a trade route. But they came at the very very precise time and the brother said why don't we just sell him Judah said why don't we sell him they all listened to that and at that point Reuben was not even there if Reuben was there it would have been a feud between the brothers I don't know what would have happened there you just think about the whole pieces coming together they sell him to the Midianites the Midianites go and sell him to the house of Potiphar and then the next piece of stories start who is orchestrating everything in the background who is orchestrating everything in the background there should be a divine hand that is moving every pieces together everything holds together even for Reuben not to be there at that very precise time for Judah to intervene and say let us sell him to Midianite because God looks at the big picture and he says Joseph must go to Egypt because I have a plan to bring them to Egypt Church, it is good to know this is how God works. But it's another thing for us to say, God, you are in control of my life. You hold my life all together. You do whatever you plan and your purposes will only come to pass. Even through my most painful providences. Vedana Janagamaya Vishetil Kudem Angeke Angeda Uteshangal not only for goodness but even painful providences of God God has his final plan and purposes this morning church can we close our eyes for a moment thanks for listening to this week's podcast if there is anything we can do to continue equipping you in your pursuit to be like Jesus, then please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website at metrochurch.us. Also, if you found today's message to be inspiring and informative, then please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on this podcast platform or on our website. Again, thank you for joining us. We are so grateful for you. Have a great week and God bless you and your family.